Um, he's a he's a he's a good text. Um, this one, no name attached to it, but Northern Hemisphere need to do more three test tours of Southern Hemisphere so with a stop in the Lions on the way home. Four tough tests in a month. That's a good way to sell it to them. Um, Say so if you want to get out of the quarterfinals, get used to playing three in a row. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I know there's the the World Test Championship was coming far away, but geez, wouldn't it be wonderful to get these series happening? And as you say there in that text, get get them stopping off in Fiji, get them stopping off in Samoa and Tonga on the way down or on the way back. Um, this this World Cup has just proven that if you give a little bit of effort and resources to the Pacific Island teams, then we're going to have a whole lot more teams competing on a competitive level with the big boys. Imagine Fiji uh, in another World Cup cycle after having four more years of Super Rugby under their belt and hopefully some more Tier Nation uh, tests as well. Double eight, double three on the Temperin Bedpost text line. Would love to hear from you. And don't forget, Teamless Tuesday today is a team list of inspirational leaders. All thanks to Kennard's Hire. Coming up on the Macca's menu, thanks to Mac Delivery, Simon Dills joining us on the show out of India. We hear from Eddie Jones, who fronted Australian media today. We've got a Tuesday Brain Buster for you and a wee TAB update as well. That is the Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door just before we get into Eddie Jones. Does Andy Farrell stick around uh, for this weekend, Beeve, or has he gone home already? <laughs> I don't think he stick. Oh, actually, of course, I forgot. The son, yes. No, he probably does, he probably does stay around. Or he might have gone home and come back. Um, but, yes... For, for World Rugby's sake, I hope he certainly hangs around uh, coaching somebody. He's obviously a wonderful operator and uh, mm. pretty classy as far as uh, his response to what would have been a fairly traumatic weekend for him. Very, very classy uh, response, that's for sure. Does he stick around, though? Does he stick around? I'm unsure. <laughs> obviously, and, and this is this is what you get in the aftermath, don't you, of, of these big matches. You get some people that, that start saying, this is it, this is the end for me. Some have already signposted it, like Johnny Sexton. We had the two French players yesterday who said, going into retirement, and you get the same with the coaches, don't you? The Georgian coach uh, just said, not coming back. So this is this is the things that start happening after these massive losses. I mean, it's a four-year build-up for these teams, these players and these coaches, as you well know, Beef. And it's almost turning into the Olympics, isn't it? Where everything is geared towards the four-year cycle, and uh, you know, as long as you can keep your head above water and, uh, and keep your jobs, which I guess some coaches haven't in the last four-year cycle, then everything is going to be judged on where you end up at this World Cup. And uh, well, I guess for the sake of a couple of coaches right now, it's uh, still very much alive to write their own bit of history. Mm, just as uh, stoked on the weekend for Ian Foster as I was for Sam Kane, I must say. Uh, and he was bloody happy as well. First time I reckon I've seen a smile without the stress behind the smile in a very, very long time. He was actually able to celebrate that victory. Yeah, I, was, I did bump into him on the field too. And uh, yes, it was. Uh, there was some just pure emotion. Uh, mm. Which, uh, yeah, as, as you say, Fozzie, you don't often get because there's always something going on, or there's always the next next job. But uh, yeah, there's some definite emotion there on the field on uh, on Friday afternoon or Friday evening. All right, well, let's get into uh, one of these coaches that has seemingly been around forever. Then, right, Eddie Jones, the Wallabies coach, has get this 
absolutely emphatically denied the reports that he said to take up a position with Japan and doubled down on the decision to pick youth over experience for this year's Rugby World Cup. Fronting the media in Sydney for the first time since the revelation, Jones secretly interviewed by Japan Rugby over Zoom just days before the Wallabies' final warm-up match. He again denied any discussions had even taken place. Something fishy's going on here. Jones spoke for around 15 minutes, uh, shut down any links to the now vacant Japanese job, committing his immediate future to the Wallabies and next year's rugby championship. We're about to hear from him. But what is going on here, Beef? As we know in the media, and you well and truly know, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been multiple reports of this, not just once, but obviously the first story came out before their very, very important pool match. And then a week or so later, it was like, okay, this is all but confirmed. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if all the reports were true, it's an outrageous bit of behaviour, I guess, from Eddie in the first place and then from an outrageous embarrassment if you're the Australian Rugby Union. However, now that he's come down and doubled down, because let's be honest, I think if he wants the Japanese job, it's his. So now for him to now turn around and say, no, no, I'm all in on Australia. <sighs> Look, I have no doubt, as he does at a club that I played for, Suntory, he has a consultancy job, he's often in contact. The only, only defence, or only sort of, I guess, unbelievable story in this is Japan Rugby Union still contacts him as a reference point for things like the coaching job. So, look, that's the only thing I could say, um, but I would have thought he would have come out and said that if, if it was anything other than a bit of smoke. But it is quite a remarkable story that doesn't seem to stop giving us for us, Kirsten. Well, they definitely had a list of who their preferred candidates were. I'm not sure how many people were on there. I don't understand it was many. Eddie Jones was on that list. So was Sir John Kerwin. Oh. Well, that's, that's another one from their past history. Uh, so was he potentially going to take the entire Sky crew with him as, uh, as his management? Or? Oh, I think he likes the breakdown too much. <laughs> well, I did hear it's a well-paying job, that breakdown show. They all drive nice cars. All four of them on that breakdown show. They all drive nice cars. <laughs> yeah, I think they're looking for a new host, actually. Uh, right, let's let's hear from Eddie Jones then. Uh, firstly, on his decision to pick youth over experience. Remember, no Hooper, no Cooper. Yeah, look, as I said, yeah, I came in the, to the Wallabies, uh, short preparation time i had to make a quick decision on what we do i had a look at the resources we had the players we had i made a decision we've got to go with youth uh that's the best option for australia going forward i made that decision and and the results of the world cup weren't how we hoped but i still think i've made the right decision there can you respond then to criticisms now that Going for a youth policy into a World Cup, looking ahead, wasn't the right call. That perhaps you should have included some of the veterans that you left out. Well, everyone's got their their own judgment, haven't they? And they're allowed to have that judgment. My choice was that I decided to go with youth, and I stand by that because I think those players. We've got a lot of good young players there, a lot of good young players who are really going to benefit from that experience of the World Cup and go forward to the 2027 World Cup. If you just look at the number of players we took to the World Cup, the number of players that still got to reach their peak, you know, I just go through a Bell, Tupo, Frost, Valentini, Hooper, 
McWright, McDermott, Donaldson, uh, Mark, Jorgensen. You know, there's a number of players there that are just at the start of their international careers. I think most of them showed during that World Cup that they've got enough to, to really go forward and be, be very good players for Australia. Then we throw in a few, few other players from around the place and we've got a nucleus of a really good team. And that's, that's the most positive thing. And sometimes, you know, when you have change, everyone hates change because it's uncomfortable. You know, everyone likes the status quo. And we, we had the courage, whether it be the right courage, to make the choice that we were going to go with the younger squad. And I think this younger squad is going to, going to stand Australia in good stead. The courage ultimately failed, though, didn't it, Beef, by not making it out of your pool, the only rugby championship side to do so. Fiji being better than this top, fully professional Tier 1 nation. The only proof in the pudding moment will be if this youthful side, as he's just said there, goes and wins the Rugby World Cup at home in four years' time, then he will get the last laugh. He certainly will, but he's going to have to, his trajectory is going to have to start going north at a rate of knots because to get to that winning the World Cup at home in four years' time. In the next couple of years, they are going to have to start to be genuine again in this rugby championship and not just making up the numbers and being of nuisance value. And, yep, I, look, you've got to bring in the youth and what have you, but show me where inexperienced guys, a first five in particular, or a 130-test superstar that Hooper is, not throwing him out there, show me what other team would be doing that right now. Like, you look at the All Black Pack, the entire All Black pack, apart from the young props, have been there, done that. And, you know, you can't tell me that those big games are not won on attitude and experience. And you, you look at who, who was New Zealand's best over the weekend. It was guys of experience. So, therefore, to, to throw someone like Carter Gordon out there. And, hey, look, if Quaid was there or if Foley was there, would have they done any better? Who knows? But there were moments in those big games that they did drop that a cooler head or someone who had been there, done that, might have made different decisions. So, you know, you've got to respect Eddie for his stubbornness and his entertainment value, without a shadow of a doubt. But how you can say that you still think it's the right decision, because you can, you don't rebuild during a World Cup. A World Cup's four years' time. You've got time to build for that. You don't need to put the boys through hell to then go and win the next one.